Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with The Wall Street Resource, and joining me is David Norris. And David's the CEO of Rap Technologies. And for those not familiar with the company, um, David, tell us a little bit about Rap. Jeff, I'd be happy to. So, uh, about five years ago, the concept was developed that a product was needed that would, for example, if your father has dementia and he leaves the house and he's about to walk into traffic, how do law enforcement officers stop him to uh, ensure that he's not harmed and uh, without putting hands on him? Or an autistic child who, uh, when an officer comes up to him uh, to try and you know, hold him for the parents to come get him, uh, oftentimes they become violent, but not because they're, they're uh, resisting, they're just scared and they don't know what else to do. How do you restrain that individual in a, a way that does not put electricity into their body or uh, you know, does not harm them in any way, shape, or form? And so we went through a lot of different uh, tool options and finally landed on a product that we now call Bowler Wrap, which deploys a Kevlar cord at a very high rate of speed that essentially wraps somebody. We, we call it like uh, remote handcuffs. So you can wrap someone's legs, and that way it impedes their uh, movement so they can't walk into an area that would cause them harm. And they, it also would create a safe space uh, for an officer and the individual, the citizen, uh, to have a conversation. And the idea was, in the beginning, to mostly focus on mental health issues where somebody that was resisting the orders of police, um, but not, not knowingly because they just didn't understand. Maybe they're in a mental health crisis. Sometimes those can be self-induced, maybe age-related, uh, homeless, things like that. Uh, and this was the final product we came up with uh, to essentially improve community relations, you know, those between uh, the trust essentially between the police departments and the community doesn't hurt to, board, to build more of that these days. Um, now, so how long have you been marketing the product? So we, I started with the company really at the beginning of what I call proof of concept of the company. Like many small companies, we started out with all of us had our day jobs. And our inventor, Elwood Norris, who's actually my father, worked on this full time until he proved the concept was possible. Uh, I left two years this month, December, and uh, we took the first product concept to a number of police departments, got a great deal of feedback, modified the product, uh, uh, made sure the quality was there, and then we officially launched the product itself this May, and we're selling the product, and it's now being used out in the field, and, and you know, you're getting a lot of nice body cam videos of successful wraps. But it's, so the company's been around about two years, I believe we uh, uplisted or we went public on the OTC bulletin board, I believe May last year. And uh, this year, actually last year, we uplifted the NASDAQ in December of this year. And so we've been on NASDAQ all of 2019. Okay. I actually... Ticker had, symbol, had, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just going to say our uh-huh. I actually have met your father. I didn't realize um, that was your father. Uh, he's a great man. Oh, when, when did you meet him? Oh, it's been years. Um, he's had a, it was after Jabra, and uh, he actually um, showed me uh, something that was just amazing. It was when, when uh, you know, digital recorders and digital cameras um, were about to come out. He had put together something uh, prior to that. 
That was, uh, we called that the flashback. So I, I was in law enforcement 30 years ago, and I actually left law enforcement to start a company called American Technology with my father and the old baseball player, Don Drysdale. And that product actually, it was going to be an in-the-air radio for listening to baseball games, and that's what spun out to be Jabra ah. of today. Ah, Okay. Very and then I went off and I went off into finance and manufacturing uh, as a career. And uh, uh, 30 years later, I'm back working with my father, and it's been wonderful. Well, you sound like a, a great fit for this one too. So it's not only nepotism here; it's a it's a, it's a good fit. So I, I like uh, to think so. I've always dreamed about uh, you know him inventing the product and me commercializing it and uh, building the business. So I think we're putting those pieces together today. Great. Right. So it might be a little premature because um, you hadn't been on the market that long, but any idea how long a sales cycle is? So I can, I can only answer that from looking at the last real public company non-lethal product, which is Taser, and then kind of looking at what we're seeing today. And when I see what we're seeing today, the, the smaller departments buy fairly quickly, and that's usually, I believe, uh, you know, there's a decent size standard deviation around this, but about 65 days is what uh, those buy cycles are. But that's skewed because a lot of companies, or a lot of departments that we showed the product to, the original product to, it was more in a beta version, you know, a year and a year and a half ago still haven't bought any significant quantities. They're still in the test cycle. So as those departments start buying, I'm sure our sales cycle numbers will start spreading out. And an example would probably be LAPD. You know, about a year ago, we showed them the product. They've had it in in-house test, which consists of making sure the product doesn't break when they drop it, that, you know, the cord lands, uh, wraps where the laser is, that, you know, no one can be harmed by the product. And then uh, once it passes all those tests and they have to write policies and procedures, and now it's a year later, and what, what most would consider to be very rapid, they're now starting to deploy product in the field for the field testing portion. My guess is a large department's probably two to three years, whereas in the U.S., there's about 18,000 police departments. All, almost half of them are less than 10 sworn officers. Those departments buy usually uh, very rapidly, uh, you know, usually within days of seeing a demonstration. So that there's a widespread depending on a lot of factors. And seasonality, do you, do you know about that yet? So we're, we're still too new for seasonality. What I'm being told is that uh, the fourth quarter, this quarter that we're in now, is usually more difficult because a lot of government employees uh, have vacation to burn at the end of the year or they lose it. We've not seen that yet. But this, you know, this is our first year, so there's still a lot of excitement around it. And, uh, but I'm sure over time we'll find there's going to be seasonality. And then there's also going to be budget cycles for police departments. And those budget cycles are different depending on you know, the, the state and the, the, the county and the city the police departments are in. Uh, so for those who haven't seen the product, it, it brings me back to the days of watching Batman and, and uh, something like like he would use. Um, so if this product wasn't around, what's used in its place? What, what does it compete against non-directly? So it's, that's, that's a great question. And, and a real competition is more belt space on, on a police officer, you know, his hips. The... It, 
for a long time, police departments have really changed. They've really listened to the community over the last 20 years, and, and they've been hiring not just, for example, ex-military and people like that, but people with college degrees, people that are, you know, most, most law enforcement officers today in the academy, they've never been in a physical confrontation in their life. So, you know, 45 years ago, Taser was invented, and now this new breed of police officer for lower levels of force has come to rely heavily on Tasers. And it's been a great product because it's allowed uh, police departments to be able to hire people that maybe they couldn't have hired before. Uh, you know, it's, you don't need to be as large. You don't need to be as physically capable. They're looking for people with better social skills, great judgment skills, and, you know, college degrees. But now what's happened is the court has really pushed the uh, uh, taser up the use of force uh, uh, gradient. So you're not allowed to use it uh, at lower levels. So they've really been left with nothing. And that's why you, you've probably seen, if you go to our webpage, we've had in the last few months hundreds and hundreds of press interviews, uh, hundreds of uh, Chiefs of police compliment the product and look at the product because there, there's really a need for this product. I, I would say it's not, you know, will the product be adopted? It's much more how quickly will the product be adopted. Yeah, I noticed today you got some nice press from uh, the Los Angeles Times. That doesn't hurt. No, I doesn't hurt at all. It, uh, Los Angeles uh, LAPD, uh, the short story behind this, has been planning to do this rollout for a long time, and they had to uh, notify their community leaders that they were going to do this. And the LA Times sat in that meeting, and so they went off and ran the story. So this really is an official LAPD release that they're going to train, I believe the number's around 1,000 officers. Uh, and there's a total, I believe, of 9,000 sworn officers. So they'll probably do something more official in the coming weeks, I'd imagine. Nice. Now, do you have any direct competition? We, we don't today. Nobody, uh, and it's, it's when you go to sell to a police department, you have to actually go through a process that's called sole source, and we have to go through that process with every department that we sell to. Sell to. Otherwise, they're required to get competitive bids. So today, there's, there's nothing that competes with it. When we train, we, we uh, relate it to applying remote handcuffs. Mm-hmm. And and how about uh, protection? What uh, how proprietary is this? So the the product itself is you know we call it a bowler wrap, and we took that from the the gauchos hundreds of years ago. Came up with you know throwing a, a three balls on an, on a cord to wrap somebody up. So the concept of wrapping somebody up is not proprietary. The product itself, I believe, we have filed nine patents. Domestically, six of them have been granted. Uh, then we're in 36, 37 other state or countries right now. So we, we believe we're fairly well protected. And, you know, we're not interested in testing that and because, it, you know, it would just cost money. So our real goal here is just to enter the market as fast as we possibly can and make sure that the customer service and the quality of the product are there so nobody would have any reason to go anywhere else. As of today, the, the, uh, the proprietary pieces are primarily in the cartridge itself. And, you know, to make it this size, make it this weight and this handheld would, would be almost impossible without trying to violate one of our patents. And, and how about the size of the market that, that you're addressing? 
So today we're really focused on uh, law enforcement itself, and we're both, we're both focusing on international and domestic. When, when you look at international and domestic, it's, you know, it's interesting because international or domestically, there's about just under a million police officers, uh, sworn police officers, 900 and some odd thousand throughout 18,000 different U.S. police departments, and each one of those departments will be making all of their own uh, buying decisions. The internationally, police departments tend to be very, very large. For example, we're talking to South Korea. You know, there, there's a couple hundred thousand law enforcement officers sworn in one department in South Korea. There's, you know, I believe the largest one in the, in the world is uh, in India, which has well over a million sworn police officers. So in the United States, when a department follows a typical process, which is buying a couple of products uh, and then doing a test, and then if that works to their satisfaction, then they'll buy more and roll it out completely. That initial purchase for a test in a country like India, it's just much a much larger first buy than it would be in the U.S. But it's... Um, you know, the, the, the numbers, the total market size is in multiple millions, and that's not even including touching security, uh, military, and then moving down to you know, a product that we're looking at today in-house and spent a considerable amount of time that works mostly like this product but a little bit different. This product is to restrain somebody and then be able to you know, go up and ultimately get them the help they need or take them into custody. We're also looking at a product that would be more for for example, school teachers where they could restrain somebody painlessly, but the idea is then to back away, not, not to go to them, to, to offer protection in, in situations that you could imagine. And, you know, for, for a small company, you know, you're, you're reaching, trying to reach the U.S. And, and abroad. Are you doing it through partners or what's the channel here? So I, I, you know, my background, if you look at it, is mostly consumer, direct to consumer, and and marketing. So my my first hope was that I could go direct to consumer. So I built the web page, so it would uh, manage those sales processes. But I, I quickly learned that this is more of a B two B sale, and most police officers are very extroverted. They like to talk to people, and they like to talk to other police officers because I guess you know, imagine cops phone people over for a ticket. You know, they get lied to all day, and so they really only trust other police officers. So we're, we're leveraging direct uh, demonstrations, meaning our team will, will typically go to the police department domestically and internationally and do a demonstration. And when we do that, that's usually 10, 12, 15 departments will attend the demonstration all at the same time. They'll just work together with the local community, you know, who's in that community. Uh, and then the actual sales will go through distribution in the U.S. the majority of the time. Uh, large departments will likely be direct, like an LAPD. And then internationally, it's 100% through distribution. I see. And how much is the product? So we sell the product. Our uh, MSRP is $1,300. And then the cartridges, which are one-time use, our MSRP are $35. So the revenue model is you have a sale plus a, a consumable? Yeah, it's really the razor, razor blade model. The, uh, the device itself, when you first give a device to a police department, they're, they're doing 
training. So what we do is we train police departments trainers. And that trainer, we usually get our device, we usually go through anywhere from 8 to 15, 16 cartridges. And then that trainer will take that same device and use it to train uh, line-level officers, and they'll use two to three just for training. And then after that, uh, what they carry utilized in the field. So it's, the volume is all going to be in the cartridges themselves. I see. And in terms of uh, the revenue model, um, do you make money off the, the razor or, or just the blades? Uh, fortunately, uh, we're able to make money off of both. And the margins today we're targeting. We're not quite there with the cartridges. We're getting closer, and we're already a little past it in the device. is roughly 50%. I see. Is this something you're making or it's outsourced? We're building the whole thing in-house, and uh, the, only, the only piece that we're getting out of country is a laser diode, a small little diode that we're getting out of uh, Germany. It's uh, uh, a German-made product. I believe I it's called Osram. Everything else is built here in the U.S. and assembled here in the U.S., and that's really because you know, we never actually meet the line-level officer that has the product that's, you know, that's our end customer. We just meet the trainers. So what we deliver is we have to deliver a high-quality product, and we have to deliver high-quality training, and then the customer service that comes behind that. So that, you know, since we're new uh, and we knew we'd be making modifications to the product, we decided it was uh, much better for us to build it in-house so we could make rapid changes, respond to anything that came up, and uh, and then we could also align our training with that. I see. And, and how many um, em, uh, employees do you have, and, and what's the breakdown towards sales and, and training? And, and are you are you growing those? We are growing those. We're we have about 22 full time employees today, and the majority of those I you know I call some in house and some outside outside. Can be everything from doing demonstration, which we look at as major accounts and business development, and then training. The bulk of our team is in training, and as you can imagine, we we bring we travel to departments and do training of training officers there, and then training officers come to our facility. Our facility has uh, in Tempe, Arizona, we have a training room there, and then there's glass and cameras around that, so that our uh, engineering team can watch that training and see, you know, learn more about our product. The manufacturing people can look and see how the product's being uh, utilized. And and um, so the bulk of our people are, are outside selling the product. And then as we as volumes increase, I'm sure that'll transition more to manufacturing support. Okay. And I believe, now, I believe today we have about 50 what we call master instructors. So when, when we go to a police department, if they're a larger department, they want us to train uh, one of their training officers. And so we give them a four-hour tra- – actually, it's not four hours. It's a two-day training uh, to train them to train other training officers. And then they're also el- eligible to train officers in other departments, usually local departments around them. We have about 50 of those officers trained today, and then we also use them as a, a feedback loop to uh, make any uh, improvements to the current product. Because as they're out there training it and showing it and working with officers, they, they learn a lot. I see. Are you coming against, uh, up against resistance in that it's a single product and, and not a line? Uh, not yet, cause it's, uh, but I do uh, – 
I do think eventually that that's a great question. This is I consider this really our, our first product. It's an anchor product. It's you know it's such a simple story that everybody understands. You know, restraining somebody without uh, the potential of harm, without you know, in, in a very humane way, makes total sense. So it's easy to get into police departments. We have a backlog of departments that are interested in seeing the product. So it's really our anchor relationship building product that will leverage uh, those same sales channels to move other products through later. And we're working on a couple other products uh, behind this. The the other products behind, would they be ones that you guys invent in-house or through acquisition? We're we're looking at both, and some of them are just are going to be obvious. For example, um, you know when we're in trade shows, you know we we don't spend a lot of money on the booths, but we still want people to understand how the product works. So we've worked with the company to create virtual reality of how you would use our product and how the product feels and what are the environments and the situations where you would use the product. And so we've created virtual reality around our product for Millpole, which is the largest uh, law enforcement show, I believe one of the largest in the world that was in Paris a couple of weeks back. Uh, International Chief of Police Conference was about a month ago here in the U.S. It's one of the largest one, actually is the largest one in the U.S. So we use that virtual reality. So I think you know, you'll, you'll probably see us moving towards virtual reality as, a, as an ultimate product that will you'll help train law enforcement because it's so immersive. There's no way we would, we would leave that market alone. And we would sell that through our current channels. And even though you haven't been selling that long, you have some, some good reference accounts? Yeah. If you go to our uh, website at raptechnologies.com, you'll see uh, a, a list, a long list of uh, chiefs of police that have seen the product and, and you know, have great things to say about it. We have real uses out in the field. Uh, you know, the real uses are different than our expectations, and you know, we're going to start moving towards more expectations over time. But as you can imagine, if you're a police department and you're, you don't really have a, a process to introduce new product because new product doesn't get introduced to police departments very often. You know, Taser was the real last major one that was introduced. It was invented 45 years ago. Taser acts on the company we know is 25 years old. So there's not a, a process around that. So um, the, the first person that you would give this to is your highest trained people, which means it's SWAT or supervisor. SWAT and supervisors, by the time they're called out, the situation's escalated considerably, whereas this is a, a tool that was ideally meant for you know, very, very early intervention so that it doesn't escalate. So while we've had very successful use cases, they've been on you know high level, somebody with a knife, somebody with a gun, which was not ultimately what the product was intended for. So I think we'll start seeing more uses and lower level uses uh, as we get more product out in the field. Okay. Um, what do we watch for over the next 12 months in terms of catalysts or events? You know, that's a great question because we're, you know, we're selling to the government. So it's, you know, I can honestly tell you it's, it's difficult to get a good visibility into sales because our sales are a bit lumpy. So we'll, I, I think you can expect us to get the five and $10,000 department sales uh, flowing in more and more regularly, so watch that revenue. 
And then I think really watch uses because is even though there's 18,000 police departments and a million police officers in the United States, the data that's collected by police departments to make buying decisions is somewhat limited. It's there, you know, there's no consistency between police departments. So they, when they pull you over for a traffic stop, do they come up on the left side of the car or the right side of the car? Right. So, cause there's not data that comes back and says, always walk up on the left. That's statistically the best. So I, I think what you'll see the driving uh, behind buying decisions is going to be either safe buys, which means a major department that has significant resources to do in-depth testing will make a bunch of departments feel very comfortable that they can just go ahead and buy. They don't need to test it or anything. So looking for major department buys is one. And then the second is police departments uh, buy you know, if everybody else is buying. So I think that use cases, especially caught on body cam or other kind of uh, social media cam, will be very, uh, will also be encouraging. Yeah. And it seems like you got the, the wind at your sails here. Uh, before we go, anything uh, you want to leave us with? Uh, just that, uh, you know, I, I think that it's rare that in life you can invest money and, and really own a piece of a company that's developed a product that's right for the consumer. It's right for the taxpayer. It's right for the voter. It's right for uh, the insurance companies that are backstopping uh, use of force lawsuits and to socially help build the fabric, the trust between communities and their police, which inevitably happens when the community knows that police departments are investing in technology that, that, ensures they never match resistance with a, a higher level of force than necessary. Well, very good. Well, David, I appreciate your time and for sharing the rap story. Thank you very much, and you take care. You too.